0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Hello, I'm Jack Christides, and this is Billion Dollar Ballers, our show where we discuss the inside business of sports. Uh, I'd first like to thank everyone for tuning in to our third weekly show on America's Web Radio. It's really a pleasure to have this platform to discuss something that I find is extremely interesting and presently a little underrepresented in the media today, and that's the business of sports. Um, And if there's anything that I've learned in my time working in professional sports is that sports are very much a business. And just like any other business today, they've been greatly affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Now, uh, with that being said, we've seen the recent three-phase plan laid out by the president, President Trump, to reopen the economy. Uh, And I personally could not be more excited that sports is included in phase one. Yep, the first phase. Uh, and this, this only goes to show the massive positive effect that sports can have on our nation's economy and our society as a whole. And to prove it to you, uh, we're going to talk a little bit today, in today's show about UFC. Yep, UFC is back. The first American sport to bring back live entertainment. Uh, this past week we had two UFC cards, both taking place in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I watch both of them. They're both extremely entertaining events. If you're not a fan of UFC, you should consider tuning in because this Saturday they have yet another card, another stacked card. Um, and if you love sports, this is as good as it's going to get right now, uh, at least for a few weeks, if not a few months. Uh, and it's really great entertainment. So um, in this first segment, we're going to break down a little bit of the economics of the comeback of the UFC and how that is going to lay the groundwork for the return of many other sports in the, hopefully the near future. Um, the first card that they had, it was called UFC 249. Uh, it was this past Saturday. It was at ViStar Veterans Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, Florida is one of the great states that's actually opening up completely. Um, we saw Arizona recently say that all major sport leagues from the NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, they're a full go there. Uh, I know Florida's coming back strong, Texas as well. So we're seeing some states thankfully reopen, and hopefully the other states can follow suit so that we can have sports as soon as possible, people can get back to work. Um, and I really think that that's what's necessary to happen. Um, so a little more about that UFC 249. Uh, the UFC had 1,200 coronavirus tests on hand for that event. Um Now, for a little comparison, I know we talked last week, but for those who weren't listening, the NBA, according to ESPN, will need 15,000 tests to complete their season. Um, With the UFC getting 1,200, that certainly seems reasonable for the NBA, so we're hopeful for that. Also, some more precautions. Each fighter and the members of their camp who were participating in the event received one swab test and one antibody test. Um, For those unfamiliar, the swab test is the one that uh, they stick up into your nose, and that'll tell you if you have the virus currently. Um, An antibody test will tell you if you've had it in the past. And they also did daily temperature checks. Um, And uh, largely the event was a huge success. Um, And honestly, I I kind of credit that to the fact that Dana White, the president of the UFC, doesn't have to negotiate with a union. Um, Mixed martial arts is not a team sport. It's 1v1 combat. And there's no need for a long-term campus like what leagues like the NBA and NFL would need to do but it's certainly a great start. Um, It was reported that the event did 700,000 pay-per-view buys Um, for some context there. um, That is one of the best events that the UFC has ever had, especially when considering that they really didn't have any of their largest names on the card. It was definitely a super entertaining card, some fun fights to watch, but you didn't have your Conor Greggers in there. um, The real big draws... Um, so it was very encouraging to see that. Um, Dana White told uh, told Yahoo Sports before the event that sales in Canada and Australia were both at double their usual level and U.S. sales were also trending well above average. Um, he said that the show sold better than anything in the past two years prior to Conor McGregor's return to action at UFC 246 in January. So I think that's a pretty cool success story and it definitely speaks to... Um, How the American people are currently starving for sports and how uh, when we do finally get sports back, although there may not be fans in the stadiums, there's certainly going to be more viewers at home, more people streaming and watching on cable and things of that nature. Some of the other precautions that they put in place, which I think other sports will definitely be implementing in the future when they return is uh, safe social distancing um, between all the essential workers who were involved. So obviously, you're going to have interactions between the athletes, especially in the UFC. You've got wrestling and striking and all things of that nature. Um, But the interviewers, they were outside the octagon. The commentators were at opposite ends of the arena. Even the president, Dana White, he wasn't sitting uh, very close to anyone at all. So it was extremely well executed and um, there was one small hiccup there was a loss of the hotly anticipated fight between Ronaldo Souza and Uriah Hall Uh, that was pulled on Friday when Souza tested positive for COVID-19 and I I saw a lot of people in the media saying that they thought that this positive test uh, showed the dangers of returning to sports but I kind of, I I guess you could say I'm an optimist but I like to see the positive aspect of that Uh, And that is uh, these tests work. And we caught somebody um, who had the virus and we were able to postpone that fight and make sure that no one else got it and stop the spread. So I think that that shows a little bit how other sports leagues could operate as well, Um, being that they're testing every day. If they get someone with a positive test, they can get them out of there, get them quarantined. And it doesn't mean that we have to shut everything down. I'm so sick and tired of Everybody's saying if one person gets tested positive for this thing, we need to shut everything else down. If we can do adequate testing, and these leagues certainly can at this point, then one positive test shouldn't hinder you if everyone else is testing negative. So it was great to see the UFC move forward like that. Um, also, another side note, with with numbers this positive, it definitely could suggest even more money and advertiser money spent on future events. Um, and... It's just a matter of supply and demand. If we have a huge consumer demand for these events, then it's going to be more eyes on advertisements, and you're going to see advertisers getting charged more money by the leagues, which is, again, going to stimulate money into these leagues, which can then be recirculated into the economy, and that's certainly all a great thing. Uh, on the side of betting, I know we talked a little bit last week about how this is a potential event to bet on, and it seems like a lot of you listened because from top to bottom, the Saturday UFC 249 card took on more bets than any other MMA event in the history of the company. Uh, it also took on more money put down than any event in the history of the company. So all around, people were betting heavily on this event, and you love to see that. Also in the UFC, their second event that I mentioned was just this past Wednesday. It was UFC Fight Night, Smith to Shera. Um, So that was not a pay-per-view event to watch that. You just simply had to have an ESPN Plus account. Um, So that, again, makes it a little bit harder to track the actual viewership. But from everything that President Dana White was saying, it set fight night records. We're still waiting for Nielsen data to confirm the exact number of watchers. But by all reports, it was another huge success for the UFC. Um, Again, another great set of fights. Didn't have... Uh, The the same attention that the 249 card did, being that it wasn't a pay-per-view and it wasn't necessarily as high-profile. But that's two successful fights, and two successful fights at a time when people said sports weren't possible. And this just proves that they are possible. If the UFC can do it, I see no reason why the NBA, the NFL, college football, MLB, all of the sports that we love can't come back and operate in this time. Um, So certainly a great week for sports, a great week for UFC, and a great week for the U.S. Um, Touching a little more on what I spoke about in Florida, Arizona, Texas, all these economies that are reopening right now, um, and most specifically Florida. These economies that are allowing major events like this to come back are going to see massive economic boom that a lot of these other places with governors who are insisting that we prolong the shutdown, and and in the case of California, the LA mayor saying we even need to keep the shutdown until we have a total cure. Um, I just I think that that's really going to hamper those places, and and you can see it with Florida. It's a prime example. They just had two major events. Um, they got a huge endorsement from the president of the UFC, Dana White, who actually said that. He's going to recommend to anybody that he's connected with and anyone in the sports world that if they're returning, go to Florida. Um, And like I said, that's going to boost their economy in major ways. And who knows? We've seen proposals from the NBA about their, quote-unquote, campus lifestyle return, um, which is going to encompass teams essentially living throughout the rest of the season in one area and playing most of the games in a handful of arenas in that area. Um, they've been talking about doing Disney World in Orlando. Um, so that could be another big win for Florida. And again, it's all because their governor allowed them to open up and um, and host these events. Um, now, with the UFC laying out this outline for the rest of sports to follow, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the sports refo- respond. And we will be discussing three other sports today and analyzing the return of what those sports will look like. Um, more specifically, our show today will be focusing on the overall economic impacts of these returns and the salary cap implications of coronavirus. Um, because, as we know, it's the losses of revenue that we can anticipate, um, m- namely and probably largely consisting of the lack of fans in stadium and the lack of not only ticket but concession revenue and sponsorship revenue driven by these in-person events. Um, there's going to be huge fallout with the salary cap and players are going to be making less. Um, our first topic, we're going to talk about NBA announcements and changes as we eagerly await the increasingly likely return of that season. Um, we've got some great news on that front uh, from both the player side and the executive side that had me and uh, many insiders around the league feeling extremely optimistic about the chances of that returning. Um, our next topic, we'll discuss recent news and announcements regarding the NFL season, Um specifically ad revenue, and uh, the potential losses that we could be seeing, uh, and the losses that we've already seen across national television stations as far as the ad revenue and the ad investments go there. Um, We'll also discuss the upcoming MLB season, how that will look, changes that will be made, and will the players in the league be able to come to an agreement uh, with the new CBA set to be put in place only a year from now. And, uh, I I do think that that MLB one, it's something that we haven't touched about in the past, and maybe I'm guilty of not being the biggest MLB fan in the world, and I certainly know that the MLB's league ratings, uh, most specifically amongst younger viewers, is dropping. Um, But the MLB is one that's of particular interest this week, um, because we've seen many players come out publicly stating that they don't want to play, Um, And for those unfamiliar with the MLB's pay structure, the MLB does not actually have a salary cap. So keep in mind when we're discussing uh, the NBA and the NFL and in in juxtaposition to the MLB, um, the way that the MLB functions is completely different um, because of not having that salary cap. Um, And always when discussing all these sports, you have to keep in mind that in the background, There's financial forces at play that are going to determine what they're able to do, how they're able to come back, and the power structure between the players and the executives. Um, So before I get in, dive right into the NBA. Uh, David, uh, are we ready to take a break?
0: We're ready. So we'll take a break. We'll be back with Jack right after these messages. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Right then go on online the and check out the com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it, and you'll love having one in your shower.
1: <laughs> That's the key. Yeah.
0: I tell you, you'd be surprised at the number of people that can't. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com. No, I've been in
1: his house for a couple days, but I know he's been working pretty hard on this sanitizer stuff lately. Um, pretty much out of that Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides, and in this segment, we're going to discuss NBA announcements and changes as we eagerly await the increasingly likely return of that season. Yep, I said increasingly likely. So in regards to that likelihood and why it's increasingly likely, it's not just me that's saying that. Some of the league's brightest stars, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Game Lillard and Russell Westbrook. Wow, that was a mouthful. That's a lot of star players, and all of those star players hopped on a conference call this past Tuesday. Um, About 10 All-Stars, and every single one of them presented at a United front and made a public announcement stating that they believe the league should resume play. Uh, Obviously, when you get that kind of star power, definitely a great sign. But even further than that, we had... A board of governors meeting on monday uh, and the board of governors after meeting with uh, key executives in the league and speaking to commissioner adam silver say they feel confident that a return is likely and eminent um and as we mentioned in past shows also um on the business side of things today uh may 15th started the gradual reduction in player salaries for as long as the teams aren't playing. So, uh, Players did not seem receive their normal paychecks today, and you can sure bet that'll get them wanting to play as soon as possible as well. Uh, we mentioned they need 15,000 test kits, um, and one thing that Adam Silver did say is if a positive test would shut them down, they definitely probably shouldn't be going down this path, um, which is just the same things we covered in the UFC. They're able to sustain a positive test now. They know the precautions, and the UFC laid out a way for them to deal with that which is great. So um, we're having a little more clarity um, in terms of the ability for them to return. And as they've said, they're thinking about the campus environment, talking about one or two locations for players to live and play the games. I mentioned Orlando's Walt Disney Resort. Uh, Las Vegas is also another one. Uh, Adam Silver said that they've um, been able to attain a hotel that says that they can support them. So yeah, um, should be great to see them hopefully quickly announce uh, where the season is going to be played and the structure of that season. Uh, more positive news. The Orlando Magic have been granted permission, effective immediately, to test non-symptomatic players and personnel. Uh, as we talked in past shows, that was previously a hang-up. Understandably, the leagues didn't want to take tests out of uh, everyday citizens and just give them to their players. That wouldn't seem to be fair. But uh, with the growing number of test kits, thanks to President Donald Trump, Hopefully it seems like we should be able to give all, uh, all these players tests, even if they are non-symptomatic. Um, and while some players are still skeptical, um, the return of the UFC and the upcoming return of the Bundesliga, uh, the German soccer league, this weekend, should help to calm their fears. Um, if, if you can do it on a sport where there's 11 people, er, 11 people on each side, 22 people at a time on a field... Um, I certainly think you can do an NBA and an arena sport, Um, so hopefully we see them back as soon as possible. Honing in on the business side a little bit, um, as we spoke about last week, but we'll dive into a little deeper this week, everyone wants the sports world to return, but nobody more than the league. Uh, They're obviously worried about the players' health and everyone involved, including the families, Um, but the league revenues have essentially dropped to zero, um, and that's having a huge impact financially on the team business and the arena business. Um, With that being said, even with the return of the league, game night income from fans accounts for roughly 40% of the league's annual revenue, drawing focus to concerns of the financial consequences of a canceled season, um, how that could potentially affect salary cap, free agency, future earnings, and the very existence of the current collecting collective bargaining agreement. Um, uh, more specifically, a return, although it would not uh, necessarily be able to recoup that 40% of the league's revenue lost from game night income, it would fulfill a lucrative television contract, um, which is going to net the league roughly $2.7 billion annual. Uh, that's nearly 30% of the total annual revenue of more than $8 billion of the NBA. Um, And there's also a strong recognition that there are thousands of jobs impacted by the NBA. It's not just the players and the basketball staff. When you include the day-of-game arena workers, the NBA is responsible for roughly 55,000 jobs. Um, That goes to the earlier comments about recognizing that while the virus is a dire public health issue, it's also shutting down this economy. Um, And I think that's why the league has an obligation to resume play in a safe way and to look at every potential way of doing so. And thankfully, that's what they're doing right now. Um, touching on some measures, if you didn't listen the past few weeks, that the NBA has already already instituted, the top 100 executive salaries have been reduced by 20%. Um, and that gradual reduction, withholding 25% of each player's paycheck, began today. Um, so... They're doing what they can with what little money they have left, and hopefully they're able to kickstart the league soon. Now, between television rights, corporate sponsorships, merchandising, and game night revenues, uh, the league would n- lose north of $1 billion um, if they don't bring back the season. And this doesn't even include a reduced or canceled postseason uh, or the fallout of the ongoing rift with China. So if you're unfamiliar... With the problems that the NBA has had with China recently, it's um, definitely a fascinating story. CCTV, uh, CCTV is the state TV in China. Um, they have an agreement with the NBA. It's a five-year agreement um, worth one point five billion dollars uh, to remain the league's exclusive digital partner in China, and it's the NBA's largest partnership outside of the United States. So, as you can imagine, it drives a lot of their revenue. Um, And China's a huge market. Now, unfortunately, um, this uh, conservative estimate of about $500 million revenue a year um, was immediately canceled following Daryl Morey, the general manager of the uh, Rockets, tweeting uh, several months ago in support of the Hong Kong protesters. Now, uh, he did that. China immediately stopped airing all NBA games. Um, They stopped selling NBA merchandise, and essentially it's been a whole ban on the NBA in China, which, as you can imagine, has not been great for the league's finances. So we have a huge hit that they took uh, due to what's going on in China, and China recently announced it has no plans of resuming airing NBA games. Um, And then couple that with the current coronavirus crisis, and the league's definitely in a super tough spot. Uh, A report came out this week that superstars including LeBron James and Blake Griffin have also already received their full amount of their contracts um, just due to the structuring of their contracts for this 2020 season. Um, now, they've, they've publicly come out and stated that they, in essence, have an IOU to the team and will be returning that money um, in a way that is in accordance with what all the other players who haven't been paid their full amount yet will be um, receiving less of their money moving forward. But it definitely definitely opens your eyes a little bit to how much money the NBA is losing, how much they have already lost, and the potential impacts of this. Um, We're talking, if you add all of the numbers and the stats I've thrown at you, and I know it can be hard to necessarily keep track of all of those, especially when I've got so much material to cover, but we're talking about close to $4 billion in revenue, about 50% of um, their total revenue lost. And if you think that these teams are going to be able to take a 50% revenue hit and continue to pay their players the amount that they want to and continue to raise the salary cap, then um, quite frankly, you're out of your mind. There's just no way that the league can sustain this. Um, and if, if you see players making less money, it's just going to exacerbate the problems that we have currently. Um, we've seen a lot of players sitting out games doing um the designated rest days Kawhi leonard is one of the players that's super famous for it um and the less the players are making the less motivated they are to play every game the less motivated they are to give you the show that you need and um it's just it's horrible for the sport it's horrible for the exposure of the sport um and as i'm going to get into here it's it's horrible for your local economy as well um so home games generate a stream of revenue that trickles throughout the city, impacting arena workers, public transportation, nearby bars and restaurants, hotel occupancies, and a million other things that you would never think of um, when you're watching your average NBA game. Um, So the loss of the rest of the NBA season and any potential playoff games, in addition to scheduled concerts, which you might have in any of your local arenas, could have a wide-ranging effect on your local economy. So this isn't just an issue for the leagues and the players and the national economy, but it can hit home more than you would think uh, right in your neighborhood. Um, One thing that many fans may not be aware of is that cities have what's called a spectator fund, um, which essentially is a self-sustaining account that allows them to avoid using the general fund to pay for any bills for sports facilities and operation costs. So we're talking construction, um, the traffic cops that you need to maneuver around these large events, um, the infrastructure that needs to be put in place if you're hosting a Super Bowl or an NBA Finals or a college football championship. All of these things cost money, and a lot of that could end up being taxpayer money if these spectator funds dry up. Um, And after doing some research and hearing from some experts, Um, Everything that I'm hearing is that even with the return of the NBA season, uh, if there are no fans, which uh, I think it's pretty safe to assume there won't be fans, this spectator fund could potentially dry up entirely, and then it's going to dip into the general fund of your city. Uh, Obviously, that's not going to be great for the city as a whole. Um, So aside from, obviously, the people coming into watching the games, spurring local businesses, your average restaurants and hotels, things of that nature, your actual city's government is going to be losing money um, as a result of this shutdown. Uh, it's super unfortunate. Obviously, it was necessary to shut down sports for a while. Um, but uh, it's, it's imperative that we get these sports back running so that we can support our local economies because uh, that's really the first step. If your local economy is collapsing – and you have problems within the leagues and your national economies, it's just going to be exponential in the amount of time that it's going to take for us to actually get back to normal. Um, we're at a point where it's no longer about people just getting sick, which is very unfortunate, but we have to start thinking about the greater picture and, and how long we're going to let this cripple us from an economical perspective. And there's a reason that sports is phase one. Um, there's a reason that sports is one of the first things to come back not because people just want to watch these sports on television because it's great entertainment uh which it certainly is um it's because they're instrumental in helping our economies and making sure that average people can actually get back to work and average local companies aren't going out of business um so it's i just could not be more excited that it's looking like a bright future for the return of the nba um and a even going further for the NFL and potentially the MLB leagues that aren't starting for months, it seems like it's likely we're going to get these sports back, and that's definitely a great thing. Um, And before we get into the next segment of NFL news, um, I think it's about time for another break.
0: And it is, and we'll be back with Jack right after this.
3: So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do,
2: join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear The Doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: All right, I'm Jack Christides, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. We've had some great discussion today about the current status of Sports in the united states touching on the nba and the ufc and the overall reopening of all these major sports and how it's going to help our economy get stimulated and help our country come back from this crisis which we certainly will um and now we're going to move on to what many people consider to be american favorite sports this segment will focus on the recent announcements in the nfl and the proposed changes to the new season now uh the first major topic of discussion for today in the NFL is the loss of ad revenue. Um, so I, I say quite frequently um, how all these, all these different leagues are going to have major losses in revenue, and that can range from television contracts, ad revenue, in-person revenue, uh, a million different things. But I think it's best sometimes to actually look at specific subsections and try to quantify for you how much money can actually be lost. Um, in times of crisis like we're in right now, um, so uh, across across the <clears throat> across the whole television media landscape, um, there was more than there is more than one billion dollars in planned spending that could be canceled by major advertisers, including Domino's Pizza, General Mills, and General Motors and PepsiCo. Um, now, obviously. A billion dollars in lost sports advertisements might seem like a large number, um, but it gets even bigger when you look at the ad revenue loss across all national television amounts. Um, so just to quantify that a little bit more, um, the impact currently has been somewhat limited uh, because the national TV spots are contractually bound and signed in advance of new TV seasons. Um, but despite the advance notice requirements, networks uh, have been cutting deals with hard-hit industries early on, resulting in a $2 billion decline in ad spending from February 17th to April 26th. And since May 1st, ad buyers have had the option to cancel up to 50%, yeah, 50% of their third quarter ad spending. Um, you might think, oh, well, that's definitely a large number, but uh, if if we're seeing about a a billion dollar pull out from NFL ad spending. Uh, How much could it really be? Five billion? Ten billion? Somewhere around there. Well, I'm going to tell you that 50% of third quarter ad spending, uh, that's 50% of the national TV and market amounts of $42 billion annually. $42 billion annually. That's a massive massive amount of money that tv networks are not receiving from uh, a various amount of companies who spend money to advertise and i think it just points to the fact that businesses are being hit so hard right now um and this is going to trickle down to the leaks i mean over time if this if these companies end up being hard hit enough they're not going to recover fully and, and at least for large amounts of times and if, if that's the case then you're going to see them spending less on advertising, which is going to mean that the TV companies have less money at their disposal. And when they have less money at their disposal, um, they're, they're not paying as much for these contracts to air sports uh, such as the NFL. If they're not paying as much to air sports as the NFL, again, the NFL revenue is going to drop significantly. And when the revenue drops significantly, so does the salary cap. And then you get all of the problems that I discussed uh, when we were discussing the NBA of player effort because they're making less money, uh, less money, less ability to pay the players, worse facilities, the list just goes on and on and on. So this is a real domino effect that we're getting because of this, and I hope that that little breakdown of the ad revenue that's getting lost by all these TV media conglomerates helps to put that in perspective for you a little bit. Um, Moving forward, we'll talk a little bit about the impact of no fans in the stadiums um, for the NFL. Now, there's still a possibility of fans in stadiums. I know the NFL did recently send out a memo. Um, Obviously, they canceled all the U.K. and the Mexico City games, um, so there's not going to be fans there. And they basically said that they're not going to have fans for their games in this upcoming season. But I still believe there's a small possibility of that happening, especially later into the season um, as things open up, and especially when accounting for the amount of revenue um, that you get because of in stadium activities and ticket sales, that I, I really hope that they do reassess that and potentially allow fans into the stadium. Um, so it's a possibility. But if they don't allow fans into the stadium, on average, NFL clubs would lose about $100 million each, $100 million each, in local revenue. Um, and that, that amounts to a league-wide loss. That's $100 million times 32 teams, $3.2 billion if fans aren't allowed in the stands. Three point two billion dollars. That's a that's a significant amount, and that's not just going to put the 2021 salary cap at risk of plummeting. It could set the NFL on a course for cap production over a multi-year span. Um, we're talking, for the time being, the NFL and team execs. Uh, they recently agreed to raise each team's debt limit to from 350 million to 500 million. Um, so that that was supposed to allow for some amount of buffer. Um, and and uh, that's following uh, the NFL raising franchises' debt limit just two years ago, when the figure jumped from 250 to 350 million. So you can, now you're talking about amounts of debt that, uh, if we are to say, see another pandemic, um, obviously no one wants to see that. But you can never rule anything out. We're talking about amounts of debt being allowed for these teams that could legitimately cause the league. Salary cap to plummet to a point that it's no longer it's no longer worth the risk for these players to put their bodies in harm's way. Um, so, it, for the NFL specifically, it is I can't stress how important it is for the NFL to come back. It could be catastrophic to the league. Um, now, uh, recently armed with a new CBA that included two extra playoff games per season and an 18-week regular season beginning as soon as 2021. The league was expected to secure windfall agreements from Network's record-setting TV contracts and get a cap spike that would push the salary ceiling for each team past $260 million by 2023. Um, but now there's a prospect of the cap falling from the current $198 million place, um, and that honestly seems likely at this juncture, and that would play a significant role in teams' contract situations. Um contracts are built um, and planned out based on estimates of what the necessi- what the salary cap increases are going to be and this has now thrown a major hitch in that we're no longer talking about going from approximately 200 million up to 260 by 2023 we're talking about potentially going down so if your team recently signed that superstar player on a, a crazy contract and that contracts backloaded for them to receive the bulk of it in the in the next few years due to increasing salary caps Um, you just backloaded a player to pay him way more in years when the salary cap is going to be even lower than it is now, Um, which is going to severely hinder your ability to sign other players. It's going to destroy the competitive advantage um, for a lot of teams. Um, Definitely not a good thing. Now um, potential ways that the league can make this up. I know we talked about the loss of the ad revenue, um, but increased advertising would be a way to make up for these big losses. current rules that could be amended. Teams are currently not allowed to place ads within 40 feet of each field surface. Um, and you might say, why is that? But I'll provide a little anecdotal evidence from my time with the chargers and just tell you that if you put anyone within 40 feet of the field surface, um, you could get hit really hard. Uh, those guys are really big. They're moving really fast. So it makes sense from a safety standpoint. But at this point, we have to think uh, we have to think creatively. How are, how are these teams going to make up their money? Um, Another potential, not solution, but a potential way to ease the pain, stop the bleeding a little bit, could we see a potential increase in the ad price if national TV viewership's up due to the pandemic? Um, So it seems fairly safe to assume that if we don't have fans in the stadium, more fans are going to be watching on TV. Um, You can't watch necessarily every NFL game from home, but certainly the regional networks are able to play your weekly games. I myself, um, unfortunately am a Lions fan. I watch every Lions game every week. And uh, I know there's a huge subsection of people who go to the games every week, and those people aren't going to be able to go and they're going to be watching. So it stands to reason um, that there may be some renegotiation of these ad prices if there is uh, a large enough jump in viewership that there was that much more value provided to these TV companies. Um, so, So that's a potential way to stop the bleeding a little bit. But there's still going to be massive fallout regardless of what happened. Um, As we talked briefly about last week, um, there's been discussion of games on Saturday. Um, Again, that's definitely dependent on what happens with with college football. But what that would look like, it would most likely entail making specific games available on Saturdays exclusively via Amazon Prime or ESPN Plus, any number of other streaming platforms paying a premium for that content. Um, That would entice fans and and get them to turn in and premium to watch those games. So that could be good for all parties involved as well. Um, That's another potential way to ease the bleeding. Um, Those games would then be removed from the Fox and CBS Sunday inventory, um, with the networks receiving a rebate, and with the NFL expecting to make back that cash and more cash um, with the next wave of broadcasting deals. So uh, that's one way to ease the pain on not only the NFL, but also on the networks. I think that that's probably pretty feasible moving forward, um, as we get massive surges of people, as we've seen in the uh, in the UFC where they set record numbers, massive surges of people watching sports um, on their streaming and cable services. Um, updates of what's going on in the NFL now, not necessarily from a business standpoint, just to give you a little bit of context. Um, rookie mini camps, off-season programs, still being held virtually. Um, pretty much no finality on the preseason or training camps at this point. We'll keep you posted as we learn more about that. Um, but again, to return, we need a significant amount of tests, which they're going to have. Um, we need all the teams to be on the same page for a start date. Um, again, that start date is supposed to be coming in September, and I think that that's certainly still very viable. Um, and um, last but not least, NFL team owners are expected to discuss the reopening of team facilities during their virtual league meeting on May 19th. So we'll have the updates for you next week on that meeting. Now, I know I said this segment was going to be about the NFL. I guess maybe I misspoke slightly. This segment's mostly about the NFL, but we're going to touch very briefly here on the XFL. Um, XFL 2.0, if you want to call it that. Now, um, the XFL recently filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in April due to the coronavirus, and it seemed like the league was doomed to fail. Um, But a new report has come out saying that they're looking to find a new owner. So the XFL is for sale and may, may live on. Some positives about the league. It had $46 million in revenue during the season, nearly 20,000 average in attendance, and uh, 1.9 million average broadcast viewers. Now, those are pretty promising numbers, specifically the broadcast viewers number. Um, that's a lot of viewers listening, er, listening and watching the league. Um, so I know I've expressed my skepticism for that league in the past, um, but uh, there, there's a chance that we could see a new owner of the XFL. And who knows if sports fans really are this hungry for content, which it seems that they are um, with the numbers we've seen in the UFC, maybe now is the perfect opportunity for a secondary football league to make a dent in the market um, and capitalize on this excess of viewers. So that'll definitely be interesting um, to see. Hopefully they get a new buyer and maybe, just maybe, we'll finally get a league other than the NFL. Um, that works out. Uh, personally, I doubt it, but you never know. People want to watch their sports more, now more than ever. Um, so before uh, before we launch into our final segment, which is going to discuss the upcoming MLB season um, and all the intricacies of that coming back and why that's different from the NFL and the NBA, I think it's time for one last short break.
0: Yeah, got it, and we'll do it right now. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded people all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group and they wanted to join but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians it's for this reason that the docs for patient care foundation was created now everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor patient relationship while you're at your computer Please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs the number 4 patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. I'm Jack Cristidi. Welcome to the final segment of the day for Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, in this segment, we're going to discuss the upcoming MLB season, how that's going to look, changes that will be made, and will the players and the league be able to come to an agreement with the new CBA set to be put in place only a year from now. Um, so a lot to cover for the MLB, trying to make up for a little bit of the lack of coverage in the past couple of weeks, but... Let's face it, baseball is probably not as popular as the NFL or the NBA anymore. Um, but it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of interesting business things going on in the background, um, because there are. So, the MLB uh, the MLB, and its fans currently still uncertain of exactly what the season will look like and the precautions that will be taken regarding the coronavirus. Um, it's really one of the most fluid situations in all of sports right now. So, there's... Um, an 80-page document outlining potential health and safety protocols for the COVID-19 pandemic coming soon. Now, uh, the document addresses testing, guidelines for travel and lodging, how the league would react if and when a player or staff member tests positive for the coronavirus, amongst other things. Um, and, and honestly, I'd anticipate that document to change a little bit with what we've seen from the UFC and and in adapting to what the NBA is going to do because the NBA is probably going to be here earlier than the MLB is, so the MLB has a little bit of time to work with. um, But that's good, because honestly, it seems like the MLB has been struggling with this a little bit. Um, Earlier this week, the owners submitted a proposal that would see teams play approximately 80 games, so that's half of the 162-game schedule they normally play. Um, The season would then culminate in expanded playoffs, um, with other plans discussed over the past few months, including housing teams in hub cities uh, to limit interstate travels. Um, That's an interesting idea, kind of similar to the campus idea that we saw in the NBA. Basically, just trying to limit all the amount of travel, uh, limit the areas that people play in. We talked in past weeks about um, potentially wanting to uh, reshuffle the league and institute regional rivalries, which uh, could be super, super interesting. Um, I think would make for a more engaging season and potentially more money coming in. Um, But uh, more so than any other league, the MLB has had a lot of players voicing concerns about playing. Um, Specifically, uh, and we'll go into a few more examples before we end this segment, but Washington Nationals reliever Sean Doolittle, uh, one of the most thoughtful players in the league, he's on the Players Commission, He's, he's very involved. He's voiced and tweeted about his concerns to the league's approved plan. Um, the plan that has backed up the start of the season from the original opening day start of March 26th, um, a day that I love to do the Wade Boggs Challenge on. If you know what the Wade Boggs Challenge is, uh, hopefully you'll join me when that finally does start. Um, but uh, a lot of the players' concerns, and rightfully so, because everyone knows money is king, is is the player compensation, which is a huge sticking point. Um, Uh, It's a unique scenario, because uh, contracts, again, are fully guaranteed in the MLB, um, and there is no salary cap. And one thing that you might not know, and we're going to quickly do a brief MLB history lesson here, is that technically the MLB is not a league. Um, Now, I know what you're thinking. It says Major League Baseball. It's literally in the name. But uh, the MLB is more of a club system in the way that European soccer, for example, exists. Um, And... um, The the history lesson that we're going to have here is that uh, way back when, we're talking about uh, 150 years ago, many people don't know that originally baseball teams were actually constructed as independent clubs, uh, and they played other clubs. And and that was a very different system than the current MLB, but shared a lot of similarities. Um, So over all of these years, the MLB has evolved into the current league system that you see here, but they still maintain that club structure. Um, and one of the places where you very clearly see that is with their lack of salary cap. Um, if you have a league structure, it generally means that all of the teams are under the umbrella of the league, and because of that, the salary cap is divided up equally amongst the teams. But because of the lack of the salary cap, it's what allows teams in large markets, like the New York Yankees, to consistently outspend other teams and, uh, and put forward a team that, is, at least in the Yankees' case and the Red Sox' case, is pretty consistently Full of star power and stronger. Um, not really the show's job or uh, or my ambition to to talk about whether I think this is a better system than the league system, but it is a different system, um, and with a different system comes a whole different set of rules and reactions to things like a pandemic. So uh, the way that owners have, uh, with the way that owners and leagues uh, and the league and the players have all been addressing this is definitely slightly different um, than the way that the NBA and the NFL have. Um, owners will seek less than the originally suggested prorated pay for players. Um, so um, previously on March 26th, the NFL, uh, the MLB had been contemplating the se- shorter season and actually announced that they would do a prorated season. Um, so essentially they'd pay players half of their salaries because they were going to play half the games. Um, and uh, that already uh, was a problem for some of the players. Blake Snell, the Tampa Bay Rays starter and 2018 Cy Young winner, said Wednesday night that playing for anything less than his full $7 million salary is, quote, just not worth it. Um, He cited safety concerns uh, amid the pandemic, and uh, he didn't even want to play for the prorated amount. So you can imagine the fallout that's come now that the owners have backed up off that prorated amount, saying that they have a situation where um, they don't believe that the prorated amount would allow them to actually make a profit. Um, and they don't believe that if uh, they believe that if they had a loss in revenue, it doesn't make sense to go forward with the season. So the new proposal um, is a possible 50-50 revenue split. Um, extremely unpopular proposal amongst the players. Um, the player side has been adamant uh, about the prorated amount saying that if you do a 50-50 revenue split, you're in essence instituting a salary cap, um, which again is not how the MLB is supposed to be structured. Um, so you see more contention between the players and the executives and the owners in the MLB than you have in any sport. Um, without in-stadium revenue, at least at first, this is going to amount to a serious, huge pay cut for all the players, um, significantly more than the prorated amount would. Uh and quite frankly it's understandable as to why they wouldn't do that or wouldn't want to do that from a players perspective. Um, unfortunately, because of the dynamics of the situation, we now have a situation where the owners could whether or not they're bluffing, I'm not positive, but they could choose to say, We're not gonna reopen. Uh, of course, uh the commissioners controlled by the owners, the commissioners at the whims of the owners. If the owners collectively decide they don't want to play, there's really nothing that says they have to. Um, they could simply say, with the, econo- uh, the economy being what it is and the economic fallout of this crisis, um, there's not going to be gate receipts, there's not going to be enough revenue coming in, and uh, the owners could sh- they could shut down the rest of the MLB, MLB season. Um, and I think... That baseball may be the only sport uh, they're the only sport that I can think of at this present moment where that's actually the case that the owners would prefer not to have a season. The optics of this uh, obviously could not be worse. If you shut down the season, the players are going to be extremely upset. The TV companies are going to be extremely upset. But with the MLB essentially operating at a club system, it does make sense uh, for for all the owners to only move forward if they think they can make uh, make revenue, make money. Um, so the whole thing is a mess. Uh, it's, it's just... It's really unfortunate how it's played out in the MLB this way. Because, like I've said, there's so many positive economic impacts both locally and nationally of bringing back sports. And of course, that inc- includes baseball. Um, but this is sometimes what can happen if you privatize sports to the extent of a club system. We've seen... In European soccer currently, for example, um, the whole, what they call their transfer market, they're buying and selling of players, be completely interrupted due to the coronavirus as the teams have less money to function. So what they're doing over there, um, instead of stopping their seasons, they're continuing. Um, they're just not going to be spending money on new players, which I could definitely see translating to the MLB. This is, you got to remember, this is actually, when the MLB teams buy players, this is actually the owners paying that amount for the players now that that amount obviously it's not directly out of their pockets in all circumstances a lot it's coming from their revenue that they're earning it's why the Yankees can spend more they're making more revenue they're the biggest brand in the world um but it's very different from an NFL or an NBA where you're paying amounts uh distributed by the league for salary cap amounts you're actually in the MLB you're actually as an owner paying for the players um so it's, it's a totally different structure, and it throws a huge hitch in the way, the way that things are operating. So I, I, again, I like to be an optimist. I'd still like to hope that there will be an MLB season moving forward. But as of now, I'd say it's the only sport where there's any chance that there won't be a season, um, and that's extremely unfortunate. Now, I know I talked last week about potentially bringing in some different sports to talk about. Um, namely, I talked about speaking about NASCAR and and uh, the PLL Lacrosse League and things like that. Um, I think we're going to push NASCAR to next week's show. We don't necessarily have enough time to talk about that. I know there are probably more NASCAR fans out there than there are lacrosse fans, but I would like to briefly, before the show ends, touch on uh, the return of lacrosse, um, so the PLL Championship Series. Um, what this is, it's powered by Ticketmaster. It is uh, From July 25th to August 9th, they're going to be airing on NBC and NBC Sports Network and NBC Sports Gold. They're going to be airing uh, a tournament structure as opposed to their normal league structure um, of lacrosse games, which I think it's pretty interesting to see a league completely adapting their entire model. They, uh, they recently had their draft this past week. Um, and they're, again, shifting from a normal season to a tournament model. Do I think that this is something that other leagues are going to institute? No, um, I don't think it's necessary for other leagues. But when you talk about um, leagues that are bringing in smaller amounts of revenues that don't pay their players as much, um, it's a very creative way for them to still hold an event, keep the visibility of the sport going. Um, and, and I think it po- points to sports such as tennis, uh, golf, teams where you already have this tournament structure i think that that's a lot easier to execute right now than an actual whole season um i know that certain golf events and certain tennis events have already announced they're coming and doing their tournaments as scheduled um again we have the tiger woods tom brady peyton manning Phil nicholson event coming up this next week i believe um and and that'll certainly be a great event and again it's just we're trying to get as many sports out there as we can for the benefit of not only the sports, but the economies. And uh, these tournament structure structures are a great way to do it, um, and it's why you're going to see, again, your golfs and your tennis and now your lacrosse on TV. Um, so that's definitely a great thing. Um, so with that, uh, we're looking forward to another great show next week. As always, thank you for listening on America's Web Radio. And this has been Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides, and hopefully we can have you listening next week. By
0: the way, Jack, I want to mention that uh, folks that are listening and interested, if you'd like to participate in the show by sponsoring it, or um, if you want to send a comment about it, send it to... uh jack at americaswebradio.com or if you're interested in we've got a heck of a special going on right now on advertising and letting folks know that you're back with your doors open ready for business be it locally or around the world we touch everybody and literally around the world so let us know if we can help you and um, Jack thank you for another great show and I look forward to next week